Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And welcome to what I believe will be the final edition of the Old Man Squad recap show, although we'll see. There's like 12 names left on there, and it took us a long time to get through 10 on previous shows. So my goal is to get through them. The actual end result is we might not, but let's see what we can do. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Vespers. It is Old Sman, Old Sman, Old Man Squad review time edition three. You get into the the deepest, darkest areas of fantasy draft night and see what went right, what went wrong. We had some really good ones in there. We had some really bad ones, as YouTubers can see on the screen. Overall, though, I think this was an area where I think we made more headway than we gave up. Uh, We'll also talk some playoffs towards the end of the show. Um, The question last night was, hey, how do we we lose the... I really think the Lakers and Grizzlies play a, a tight one that stays under bet. And the answer was... Overtime overtime oh well and you know that's the thing like bets are gonna you're gonna have bad beats you're gonna get some lucky wins you're gonna have some bad beats also i really i really liked that game to stay under and it uh it definitely would have if not for an extra five minutes of basketball grizzly shooting 40 percent, lakers 44 but whatever we can't complain about it we didn't give it out as like a free play or anything i didn't put any money personally on it it was my favorite uh, potential play of the night, and I don't feel bad about the handicap. But we're going to do that part second. I think most folks that are listening to our offseason shows prefer the fantasy side of things, so let's talk a little bit old man squad and go from there. Uh, last time, I'm trying to remember where we left off. I might have to scroll a page forward to remember what it was. Where the heck were we? We left off at Devin Vassell last time, which was right around ADP 82-ish. He was in the, what was Vassell, 60-something? No, he was 81. Um, we begin this one with Al Horford. And I did remember for YouTubers to put both my prediction and the actual final number for all of these guys on the screen today. For those listening on the recorded side, I will repeat all of them. So Big Al, uh, ADP of 84. Per game, I thought he was going to be in the 40s with Time Lord missing half of the season, and then I thought he'd play a round league average number of games. I was a bit off in those assessments, more so in the game's played bucket than uh, in the actual productivity zone, because he finished at number 65 on a per-game basis. He beat his ADP by close to two rounds, uh, a round and a half, I guess, uh, on the per-game side, but by totals, he actually lost to his ADP by about four slots because he just wasn't... He skipped all the back-to-backs for Boston this year, and he wasn't fully healthy even in the games where, uh, or even in the non-back-to-backs, he missed a couple of additional ball games. So uh, from a head-to-head side, he ended up being, I mean, you could basically call it like a wash uh, because he, he was pretty much right on his ADP. And then on a per-game side, I know we always like to say that Big Al is the face of the Dan Vespers old man squad because he's super-duper old and just sort of quietly plugs along. Um, but in terms of, like what sort of margin of win we got out of him in this one. It was small. It was a small win on the Roto side and basically a break-even marker on the head-to-head side. What did we learn about it? Well, going forward, I don't think you can expect Al Horford to play more than 
this really number of ball games. Um, he was at 63 this year. I, I guess in a, in a magical universe, he could get to like 65. But there's no intent, uh, at least as long as he's with the Celtics and he signed an extension, there's really no intent to get him above 65. The absolute best case perfect scenario is that he's completely healthy all season long and he plays in like 68 ball games. But I, I see no reason why that would need to happen. And so I think you have to draft him as such. So he now basically becomes a Roto-only play going forward. And we'll count ourselves somewhat fortunate that it didn't bite us here in this one. Gary Trent Jr., next name on the board. I had, uh, he was ADP was 89. I had his per game marker at 56, his totals marker at 52. I was pretty close on these ones. Final number was 66 on the per game side, which was a two-round win per game against his ADP. I was off by a little less than a round in that one. By totals, uh, he was a little bit more dinged up than expected. He finished at 69, which was still a round and a half win over his ADP. Uh, but I missed... On, on how high I thought he was going to go by about a round and a half as well. Either way, because we liked Gary Trent to go a little bit ahead of where he was getting drafted, he ended up as a win in both formats um, and really kind of tapered off when Toronto got Jakob Pertl and that shoved Trent to the bench in a more permanent fashion. He also, again, wasn't fully healthy all season long. That could have uh, that could have boosted his totals a little bit more than than actually was the case. But I do think more so the lesson here is unless Toronto and and we know Nick Nurse is out, uh, but unless they move someone out of that starting five, I don't know how Gary Trent gets back to where he was because a lot of his advantageous stuff this year came when somebody was out, when he was able to slot into the starting lineup, when there was that opening, and there's just one more guy now for Toronto that's ahead of him in the pecking order, that guy being Jakob Pertl, which sounds insane because Pertl's a center and Trent is a shooting guard, but... We've seen the way Toronto's played for years, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what any new coach might institute there. Uh, but he's another guy that I think we're not going to be as bullish on going into next season, even though he was a win this year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Brandon Clark at number 98 was a massive miss. He, um, I thought for sure he'd squeeze a few minutes out of the center and the power forward bucket. He got no minutes out of the power forward bucket. He was exclusively Steven Adams' backup. Then ended up splitting minutes with Xavier Tillman. Admittedly, he was better once Adams was out, but then Clark himself got hurt, and so nothing panned out. Uh, It was just a bad year from the get-go. 
His role was different than expected. His opportunity was lost to an injury of his own. Everything went wrong. Anything that could did. This is a huge miss at pick 98. So again, it's not going to hurt you as quite as much uh, as misses in the 20s and 30s, but just a, a, a bad handicap. Santi Aldama took the backup power forward minutes. Even when JJJ was out to start the year, it was mostly Aldama at power forward. And Clark, who finally did have an opportunity when Steven Adams got dinged up, long-term dinged up, and uh, could not step through it. So, stinky egg of a choice there. But at least we followed it up with one of the best picks in all of fantasy, and that was Lowry Markinen. Lowry, ADP of 99. I thought a per-game basis he'd go 66 and total 61 on a team that was going to be semi-tanking, and it blew that stuff out of the water. He finished at 18 and 21 per game and totals, respectively. I don't know that we can look back at Markkanen and say that we somehow completely whiffed on targeting him even higher, but shooting 50% on ultra-high volume was a massive, massive surprise. You know, 26 points per game was a huge jump. There were, I never thought in a, in a billion years he'd be that high in that marker, and I didn't think that with the number of shots he was going to be taking on this team, that the efficiency not only would hold, but actually improve. So you got those three three-pointers a game on 50% shooting, a high-volume free-throw guy. He is ripe for a fallback year, unless we really do think that this is just who he is now. Um, it's weird that I'm looking at my own picks and saying that going forward, I don't know that I would double down on that stuff. Um, but, I, you know, this is a career... 45 and change percent shooter. He was 44 and change before this season. Uh, two years ago in Chicago, in kind of a more of a limited role with Jim Boylan ruining him, he did shoot 48% that season, 40% from downtown. He's always been a good free throw shooter, so that's not really a point of emphasis. And he's been a decent rebounder when he's seen his 30 minutes per game. Less so in Cleveland last year, playing alongside Mobley and Jared Allen. Yes, that that changed the the way that he was going to get his stuff. But unless Utah remakes things considerably, he'll have a giant role next year. The question is, can he really shoot 50% again on the volume that he was at? And it, it just feels like he's ripe for a little bit of a step back. Um, steals and blocks, assists, rebounds, all that stuff feels more sustainable than the field goal percent. And then the points and threes would potentially come with it. So I would expect a little bit of a step back from Markinen for next year, but regardless, he was on our board as one of the guys we were targeting. YouTubers, you can see his name in bold. He was one of the one of the key names we put out there at the beginning of the year, and he was not only an easy win, but a win even far beyond our wildest expectations. So uh, got a good one there at the end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round. Gordon Hayward, next name on the list. And, and it's funny that he's on the list, too, because uh, I took a lot of, of heat mid-season for saying that Hayward sucks. People thought that... Uh, people were thinking that that I was, like, picking on somebody else's pick. I was picking on my own pick. Everybody always thinks that everyone's taking a shot. Nope. Nope. I mean, maybe someone is. I don't know. But personally, I don't have enough time to know what the hell everybody else is doing to take shots at them, or yeah, I wouldn't know if they took a shot at me. You might tell me they are. I don't even, I don't think that I would believe you at that point. But regardless, I thought Gordon Hayward on that Hornets team would just sort of coast into a decent per game rank and then miss half the season like he always does. Well, he missed plenty of games. So, you know, 
that part of the handicap we got right. But his per-game numbers were just terrible. Right from the get-go and the whole way through. He was bad. 15 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, all that stuff is fine. But one three-pointer under a steal. Field goal percent was uh, slightly sub-average. The free throw did finally work its way up as the season went on. But he was just sort of like, meh, in everything. He was slightly above league average in free throws and assists. And then he was slightly under or slightly more than slightly under in everything else. It's the weirdest thing. It just never really got going. I mean, that that team was sort of cursed from the get-go this year. So I guess there's a chance that Gordon Hayward ends up somewhere where he can do more. But in my opinion, watching him play, and I tried to take in a bunch of Hornets action to find out what was really going on out there. He just looked kind of out of shape and slow. Years of not being able to play full seasons or not caring, or I, I don't know what it is with him, but I, don't, I wouldn't expect him to just magically get his, his, that top gear back if it's going the wrong way already. So probably a fade for me going into next year, even if the price is extraordinarily low, which it will be. I mean, he was low this year. We were able to get him after 110. That's not a terrible shot to take outside of 110, hoping that you get some per-game production and then you just sort of part ways if he gets hurt. But it didn't work. It didn't work. I punted on him early this year. He finished at 155 per game, 208 by totals. We got rid of him very early and never looked back. I had like a week, week and a half there towards the end of the season where he was decent. And people were like, see, he's still good. And then before they could even finish saying the sentence, see, he's still good, he went back to not being good again. Meanwhile, ADP of 114.7. DeAnthony Melton was a nice little winner here in the later rounds. He finished 85 per game, total 67. I had him at 78 per game, totals at 46. So I really wasn't that far off. I, I gave him a really nice totals bump. On my board, which he did get, just not quite as much as I expected. I don't know why I went that huge on the totals jump with him. That was an oversight or a typo. It feels like the totals jump should have been more like 20-ish instead of 30. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, Got this one pretty damn close to right. He got plenty of opportunities when guys missed games for Philadelphia. He was not great when everybody was healthy, generally outside the top 100 in those windows. But if you rolled the whole season together, he was actually a very useful fantasy play that belonged on teams pretty much from start to finish. By the time you dropped him and he cleared waivers, he was back to filling in for somebody else on an older Philly team where the main guys were not really in any position to play a full complement of minutes. And the real beauty of Melton is that no matter who was out, he picked up time for them. So Embiid missed 16 games. Melton got a big bump in those 16 games. What the hell? Where where was Harden at the end of all of this? James Harden, 17. Yeah, he missed 24 games, so that was a nice little chunk for Melton. He had plenty of opportunities to start, and it really worked out well for him. Where are we at now? Are we almost 20 minutes in? If we were at the 20-minute mark, I might pull the plug on this thing. You know what? Let's pull the plug on this thing now. We'll just make it two here. Um... YouTubers, you can see the name on the screen. I feel bad. Recorded pod listeners can't see it. So the remaining six names are Jalen Smith, yuck, Brooke Lopez, wee, Isaiah Jackson, aw, Cam Johnson, mixed bag, Mike Conley, and Kelly Olynyk. And there are, I think, pretty big stories on 
at least four of those six guys. So we're not going to be able to do them fast. And for that reason, we'll save it for either later this week or first thing next week, just kind of depending on how all the the the, the pages roll out here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to keep up best I can with the Sports Ethos season wrap series, and the Charlotte Hornets are already out, and we haven't done them here on the podcast, so my, I think we'll probably do the Hornets on tomorrow, Wednesday's show. Um, and then Thursday, maybe we'll come back and finish up the old man squad, or maybe we'll talk a little IL Plus on Thursday. I don't know. Much like whether or not there will be time to go to Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't know. We'll do what we want. But we're not done yet here today because, first of all, the great uh, Mike Fiddle is cruising these days. I think he's won five, six straight consecutive days, something like that. And the wager pass continues to be 75% off your first month with coupon code ABSURD, A-B-S-U-R-D, A-B-S-U-R-D, 75% off the first month of the wager pass. We are so confident that you're going to get in there and you're going to win money on golf and basketball and baseball and futures and props and brewski and fiddle and all these guys that are just crushing it that you'll just let it ride after that. So give it a try. Everyone's always asking like, hey, what can I do to support sports ethos? Do this. Get this thing. Make your plays. Win some money. It's a great way to support sport these sport these and also yourself. If I could speak, that would have gone a whole lot better from a promo standpoint. Okay, so let's uh, let's shut down the old man squad for now. Um, I'm gonna make sure I it saves before it closes out on the screen. Oh my goodness, it's gone. My camera's gone too tight. What did I do here? Everything's everything's out of whack. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the playoffs right now. Yesterday was unbelievable playoff basketball. I loved everything about it. That was so cool. Um, man, Jimmy Butler going buck freaking wild 50 plus for Jimmy, Butt. the Lakers over the Grizzlies in overtime, but guess what? We're not talking about those ball games because the heat and the Lakers lead their series three to one. They're not playing tonight. Let's talk about who's playing tonight. Hawks are in Boston to take on the Celtics. DeJounte Murray suspended. That's a pretty big oopsies. Bumped a referee at the end of game four. Celtics are a 13-point favorite. I think the Hawks are going to battle in this one. I think I would probably take the points, even if you expect the Celtics to pull away at the end. Looking at the previous ball games, it's hard to handicap this one because, again, you're now missing a key player on one of the sides, and we haven't seen a playoff game with that key player out. So normally I would look at this and say, oh, well, you know, the... This game's been playing unbelievably fast, blah, 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 key player out, totals moved down probably because the key player is out. 232.5 was the opening line. It's at 230.5 right now. Previous ball game was at 231, and that one hit 250, and the number is basically the same or even a tiny bit lower. Again, like, trying to sort through the pace of this is complicated because Boston overachieved their number, which should have been about 117, 118 in terms of possessions. Atlanta was around 120 possessions. They went heavy on the possessions in that ball game. It was relatively tight. I, I, I still think the total's pretty close for this one. And then, again, as the side goes, I, I don't know how you don't take 13 points in a playoff game, but 
you know, what I like they maybe they do get blown out. Maybe this is just the end of the line. I think they'll fight, but who knows? New coach, they'll have something in the tank, right? Nuggets, 10-point favorite over the Wolves, who are missing seemingly everybody these days. That's not entirely true. Um, Slow-mo is the big absence for Minnesota. Kyle Anderson is that glue guy, keeps so many things together for the Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards is trying to keep it together himself. Um, you know, again, getting double-digit points in a, in a potential closeout game, do we think the Nuggets come in with that that extra layer of focus the answer is probably yes but clearing 10 is a is a really big tally last game finished at 222 um which again like i think i think that's probably about right just again kind of looking at the possessions each team did about what they were expected to do in that last ball game, Denver probably could have been a little bit more efficient. Um, Nuggets probably going to be more efficient on their home court. Will the Wolves score enough to keep pace? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like this one. I don't like this one at all. I would lean to the underdog, but I. I ugh. And then the Suns, twelve and a half point favorite. Clippers now missing all of their key guys again. No PG, no Kawhi. It feels like. The replacement Clippers are probably just going to run out of gas. They're going to try to make this game a track meet. The Suns, it's going to come down to whether or not the Suns care enough to slow the ball game down. Because that would be better for Phoenix. They'd rather do a half-court game because the Clippers' half-court offense is going to be terrible. It wasn't very good in the last one, and that was with Russ having a, an other-world-level performance. Everybody else was was pretty bad, except, I guess, Terrence Mann. Um, I, I just, I don't, the Clippers, like, they had their game where they were able to hang in there for a bit without Kawhi, and then, you know, you're just going to see them slowly here run out of gas, because the Suns can game plan for all this other stuff. They can game plan for Russ better than they did in the last one. They certainly should game plan better for Russ than they did in the last one. Devin Booker, maybe does he need to have his his foot on the throttle the whole time? Last game finished at 212. This total's at 224 and a half. Previous game's total was at 227 and a half. I, I just I mean, I think the Suns probably get to like 115, 116, maybe even as even as high as 117 or 18 points in this game, because I, I just don't know how the Clippers slow them down all night long. But I, it just it feels like Phoenix will slam the brakes on this one, and I would look at the under. And this is the rare situation where I look at the underdog and think, I don't know if the Clippers have anything left. I feel like they sort of fired their bullets in their home games, and now it's like, all right, well, our guys are not coming back. We got no shot. Let's start thinking about them tropical drinks. So lean to the under, lean to the Suns in that last game. Um lean to the Wolves in the middle one. I kind of hate that game. Uh, and very small lean to the Hawks in the first one. Hard, I think, in my opinion, to get a read on the total for either of those first two ball games. And we'll see how all of that stuff shakes out. Yes, by the way, to answer your question, I am a little bit annoyed that my leans uh, yesterday were blown up by overtime. But whatever. I mean, it's all about talking through how the handicap is done. You just knew that that game four was going to be a tight one based on 
the Lakers sort of running the Grizzlies in the first quarter of the previous game. They they weren't Grizzlies weren't gonna get pushed around two days in a row. Or two games in a row. Doesn't really matter how what your phrasing is there. These ones, not quite as cut and dry. Three double-digit lines in closeout games for the home team. Again, I think I'd go dog-dog favorite. We'll see if those line up at all. Probably get them all wrong. <laughs> Who knows, man? You just don't really know how a team's going to bounce back in those in those like up against the wall games. It just feels like the Hawks are going to throw at least a punch. And the Wolves are going to throw a punch. I don't know that the Clippers have a punch left. It feels like they threw it. Feels like they threw it already. Maybe the Hawks threw it in their last ball game. Maybe that's why DeJounte Murray got tossed. Maybe that was the punch. So perhaps they don't have anything left. Wolves threw a punch and it actually landed sorta. They weren't great, but they were good enough. We shall see. Hopefully, all I truly ask for is that at least one of these games is more competitive than the line would suggest. Because then, on Wednesday, we got all kinds of craziness going on. Heat, Bucks, Knicks, Cavs, Lakers, Grizz, Warriors, Kings, all playing on Wednesday for some cockamamie reason. They could have given one of these teams an extra day off. Not Lakers, Grizz, because they're... Yeah, I guess, or Heat, Bucks. Those teams are both on... Are they all game fives tomorrow? Yeah. Boy, they stretch this round out. They stretch out all the rounds. It's okay right now when you've got two to three games happening every day. But when they start to stretch it out and there's like a game per night, that's when I start to lose focus a little bit. I'll admit it. It happens. Okay. Uh, do check out the Wager Pass. Check out all the stuff we got going over at Sports Ethos. And I'll tell you all about it over on Twitter if you're willing to listen. Come hang out in Discord. We've added all the other sports in there as well. Baseball, football, hockey, PGA, racing. Yeah, that's right. We got it. Okie dokie. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Throw a uh, like or a thumbs up or whatever. Subscribe on the YouTube side. That's what the kids say, it right? Uh, and five-star review if you're listening on the traditional channel. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Again, we'll put a pin in this one. I know it could have been a slightly longer show. I just, I really didn't want to rush through those other six names on the old man squad because it would have taken us from, you know, 27, 28 minute pod to like 40 something. And there's just no reason for a 40 something pod in the off season. I'm targeting 30. And now I'm just talking slowly to see if we can get there. We're not gonna. Later, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.